Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So this morning we are going to continue our series called Equipped. But as I was thinking about this this past week and preparing for this week's message, I really wanted to find a way to try and make this even more practical for every one of us because we do talk about these very important truths that we are known by God, that we're loved by God, that we're called by God, and we're equipped by God. But when we talk about being equipped, I think it's so important that we recognize what this means for each one of us in our daily lives. What does this actually mean for us as we're going to work, going to school, interacting with friends and family? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to spend some time in the scripture. We're going to look in the book of Acts in just a little bit. Who brought their Bible today? Good, because we can't always rely on the screens, right? I'm going to do my best, but every time I use the screen in the first service, all the power went out even more. So um, I'm going to try my best to do that. But we're going to be looking, if you even want to turn right now, to Acts chapter 8. But I was thinking about this, and I went back to one of my previous jobs before I became the pastor here. And you guys know I worked for the, the guys that drive the brown truck and wear the brown uniform. Talk about that sometimes. But before that, I worked at this company with my dad. And while I worked there with him, there was so much that I, I learned there. And it really was an amazing experience to be able to be with my dad on a regular basis. And he taught me so much that was really practical, like how to work on cars and how to fix construction equipment and, and how to do rewiring of different things. I wish that I knew how to rewire our uh, electrical poles uh, outside. That was not one of the things that I learned. But there was so much that I learned that it really was an amazing time. But even more than what I learned, I think more powerful than that was what I learned beyond that, which is why and how, and learning what it was to do these things, not just because they needed to be done, but making sure that they got done the right way. If you know anything about me, if you've ever worked with me, you know that, that my speed is the go. Like I'm always looking at the next thing. I want to get this thing done so I can do the next thing. My dad was always so patient. It's like, let's do things the right way the first time. Let's look at this the right way. Let's do this. And I learned so much during that time, and I'm so grateful for it. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the fact that there were some times that, you know, I had tools that I needed to do the job, but just because I had the tools didn't mean that I could do it unless someone showed me how to use those tools. And so if you see where I'm going with this, we understand that God has given us tools and gifts. It says that Jesus gave gifts to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We have all been given specific gifts, abilities, talents that are meant to be used for his kingdom. But if we don't know how to use those gifts, if we don't know how to practically put these things into action, it becomes kind of like, you know, Spanish class in grade school or high school where you learn all of these things and then you walk away and you never use it again. Like, I probably have four or five years of Spanish under my belt, and I couldn't hold the conversation at Taco Bell. So, like, it, I, could, I could try sometimes. But someone just say today, this isn't Spanish class. Okay, so what we want to do is not just be taught and not just be given specific things, but then we want to learn how to use them. And the reason why I share that story about working with my dad is because God doesn't just give us gifts or talents, or tools, if we want to call them that, and then just leave us on our own to try to figure them out. 
It's not like one of those care drops where like the airplane goes over the top and it drops it down to the ground and everyone runs to it, but then like that's it. The thing about God is that when he gives us something, the one who gave us the gift is the one who wants to show us how to use the gift to teach us when and how and what and and to give us his heart behind it so that we're able to actually reach people and to use the gift effectively. We have to understand that we are not called to just try to figure this out, but the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, the teacher, the guide, the advocate, he's the one that wants to walk with us through every situation, through every circumstance of life, and to not just empower us, but to teach us along the way. And so this morning, that's really what I want to look at. We know in Ephesians chapter 4, or chapter 1, verse 3, rather, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. These words, in Christ, are so important because the blessing is found in Christ. The blessing is not from Christ, and then we go off and do our own thing. The blessing is in Christ. So he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then Paul also writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Who is the one that brings it to completion? Who is it? It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit at work within us. You see, we have to know that we haven't just been given gifts, but that he wants to walk with us through these gifts to show us how to use them and to walk in them effectively. I think, though, that what happens sometimes is perhaps we know that he is present in our lives, but we don't know how to walk with him in relationship. We don't know what it is to go from our time, and I'm not saying this about everybody, but sometimes this has been true about me, where there's a time of devotion in the morning where I'm reading my Bible, but then I go to work and I, well, I work at a church, so it's a little harder to do. But, but you do your devotions, then you walk out and then you forget that he's supposed to be with you through all of it. But that wasn't the case when we read through the scripture and we see the stories in the, in the early church. So we look at the book of Acts and just a little bit of a recap before we get to chapter 8. Acts chapter 1, Jesus has already risen from the dead. He is with them. He tells them to wait. I'm going to give you a gift. He ascends into heaven. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up. He preaches a message. 3,000 people are saved that day. We continue on in chapters 3, 4, and 5. We see that there are healings taking place and miraculous things going on. We see a story about Ananias and Sapphira, which we don't necessarily have time to go in today. We see that Peter and John are going out and they're bringing healing to people. But of course, as they're doing this, they have opposition coming against them. The religious leaders are not happy that somebody else is doing the job that they're supposed to be doing. So they arrest them, they take them, they bring them in front of them. And, and so they have to answer for their crimes of speaking about Jesus. But yet they continue to do the work of ministry. We get to chapter 6 and 7, and we find this young man named Stephen. Stephen gets up. He preaches a message divinely inspired. And it's not a super kind message. It's not a message that makes everyone feel good. It's a message that says, listen, guys, 
You're doing exactly what your fathers did and your fathers did before you. It's the work of the devil. You crucified Jesus. He comes down on them hard. And the result, well, is maybe not to be unexpected. They pick up stones and they stone him to death. And yet he looks up and he sees Jesus. And he repeats the words of Jesus to forgive them for they know not what they're doing. But as we're reading through this story, we see this man standing to the side. And he's a man that's going to have a very big part in what we read about here in the book of Acts. It's a man by the name of Saul. Saul is there at that time. And it says, and Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution, or his execution. And there arose on that day great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged them off, men and women, and committed them to prison. This isn't a good time for the early church. In some ways, it's the best of times. In other ways, it's the worst of times. They have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're seeing him at work, but the results of all that God is doing is that they are now being chased from their homes. It says they're being scattered through the countryside, through Judea and Samaria, and now they are leaving what they have known because of the gospel. They're they're running away, but there is something about them that I think is so amazing. Because generally speaking, I would say that common sense would say to us, if we're doing something that is causing people to chase us down and want to take our lives, that we should probably stop doing that thing. Common sense would say, if speaking about Jesus is going to lead to your death, then you should probably stay silent. But thank God they did not listen to common sense. Because as the church was scattered, they continued to preach the word. They continued to bring the gospel and expand the kingdom they continue to follow the Great Commission. And we can read in, verse, in chapters 4 and chapters 5 some of the responses that they had whenever there was this persecution. Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You see, the threats come, the opposition comes, the persecution comes. And what do they ask for? More boldness. There is no uh, element of this where quitting is an option, where not being obedient to the call on their lives is an option. They said, God, thank you, this is happening. Give us more boldness. The the next verse in chapter 5, verses 40 to 42. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them, and they charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. They get beat and their response is to rejoice that they were worthy to suffer the dishonor and shame that Jesus went through. This is incredible. They did not allow the circumstances to take them away from the call. Physically, they were moved to other places. It says they were scattered throughout, but they brought Jesus with them. 
You see, here's the thing we have to recognize in all of this. We can have all the tools in the world. We can be given all that we are needed. But unless we're willing to trust that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us and guides us, the one who strengthens us and empowers us, the one who calls us and equips us, then we can have all the best things in the world. But if we don't trust in him, if we don't allow him to be the one that teaches us every step of the way, then these gifts just kind of sit to the side, kind of like in your garage where they just start to collect dust because you haven't used them in a long time. It's not just that we have been given gifts. It's that we have been given the helper, the teacher, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. See, this is just as true for the early church as it is for us today. We go into these situations and, and maybe we're not running for our lives, but there are hard times. There are struggles at times. There are circumstances that we face. But do we allow the Holy Spirit to come into those places with us? to lead us and to guide us, to teach us and to give us what we need in that moment. You see, they're running for their lives, but the beautiful thing about this is, yes, they don't give up. You see, they weren't doing this in their own strength. They were doing this in relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, they walked with him, and in relationship with God, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. The thing, though, that I also want to see here, though, is that we know we're supposed to trust in the Holy Spirit, but sometimes it's the Holy Spirit that he's the very one that's going to get us into trouble. Did anyone ever have a friend growing up that when you hung out with that friend, you always ended up in trouble somehow? I had a few of those. They, it was all a lot of fun, but they were the friends that, you know, you knew that there was a chance that something was going to go wrong. Can I tell you that as great as the Holy Spirit is, sometimes he's exactly that friend? Okay, no, no response whatsoever. Can I tell you that the Holy Spirit sometimes is the very one who's going to lead us into the uncomfortable situations? He's always going to be with us. He knows what the outcome is. But sometimes following his lead is going to get us in situations where there is no other option but to trust and to rely on him. It's really a good thing. I know that it's not something that we're, we're super excited about. But we have to realize this. You see, the Holy Spirit was with them wherever they went. They're following his lead, they're getting in trouble, and yet they are still preaching the gospel. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 and verses 4. And there arose on that day that great persecution. It scattered them throughout Judea and Samaria. But in verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. They went into these places and they brought God with them. They went into those places and they preached the gospel. They had left what they had known, and yet they could not leave the truth of who God was. And as much as the enemy was trying to shut down this revival, he was trying to come against them and to quiet and silence the church. The more that they were persecuted and the more they were pushed out, the more they fulfilled the Great Commission. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, start in Jerusalem, but go out to Judea and Samaria. And now they're being pushed from their homes and they're going into the very places that God called them to go into, that Jesus instructed them to preach the gospel. The gospel is growing. It's continuing. They're walking with the example of the Holy Spirit. They're walking in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And no, it's not comfortable. But yes, the power of God is showing up wherever they go. We continue to read this and we see this story of Philip. See, Philip goes into the place of, of Samaria. 
And when he goes, it says that there are miracles that take place, that there are lives that are transformed and changed, that, that people are, the lame are, are healed and the, the crippled and the paralyzed are walking again. He goes in the power of the Spirit, but it would be really easy to look at these verses and to not realize that he's just been chased from his home. This is not just, you know, Philip's walking along, like, I wonder what I should do today. You know, I'm kind of bored. Let me go preach the gospel. No, he was one of the ones who was scattered from his home, and yet he's going and he's preaching all the more. He's going and he's bringing the word of Jesus. I believe that in these moments, he was just following the lead of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to use him, to teach him, and to guide him. I don't think that Philip went to, went to ministry school to go get his degree and doctorate in how to walk in the supernatural. I'm not saying anything bad about going to school and learning more, but I don't think Philip had that luxury. But he was in a place of community with others who knew Jesus and walked in, in what he called them to do, and he was empowered by the Spirit. Do we know that those are the two things that we need in our life? We need to walk in community with others who are going to pursue God with us, who have the same expectations that we do. When we come together as church, it's not just to hear a message. It's to come together with brothers and sisters in Christ and to know that we are all in pursuit of the same God. We are all following the lead of the same spirit. We are coming together in unity to pursue him in every area. We have to have that, and we also have to have that empowerment of the Spirit who is teaching us and leading us and guiding us so that no matter what is going on around us, we are preaching the Word in our actions and in our words. We have to be able to know that God is walking with us in the times where we see Him and we don't. But far too often, we don't invite Him into those places with us. Sometimes we just want to figure it out and we, we once again, we do our devotionals, but then a, a challenge comes up in our daily life and, and maybe we say, God, can you help me with this? But what's the next thing we do? You see, the next thing we do is the most important thing that we can do because it's going to show where our trust actually is. Is our trust in the true source of power or is it in us? You see, when we go into these moments, can we just recognize that the Holy Spirit is there with us. We say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do right now. I don't have the answer. But instead of going into shame, instead of going into a place of condemnation, instead of going into a place of judgment, instead of going to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I find my strength in the power of who God is, and I go to him and recognize that he has abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine. This only happens, though, when we're led by the Holy Spirit. So Philip goes into this place. He goes down to Samaria. It says the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Once again, I don't know what Philip's training was. But when he showed up in obedience, there was power that came with him, and the demonic realm took note and had to leave when he was there. That sickness, that disease had to go when he was present because he was bringing the Holy Spirit, the power, with him. So, so this happens, and this is beautiful. And then it says, then the apostles heard of what was going on in Samaria, and so they sent Peter and John. 
So once again, we have the leading of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and then we have the community, the brotherhood coming along. So they come as reinforcements, and it says that they're preaching, and there was this guy named Simon the Sorcerer. Simon was the guy that was basically using magic to impress everybody. He was getting his value and his worth out of this. He was the one that was bringing this false idea of who God was. But then when he heard Philip preach, it says that he even was one that was turned. So when Peter and John show up, though, he sees them all operating in this power, and, well, he does what he knows to do. He tries to manipulate the situation, and he says to Peter, let me give you money so that you can give to me the power that you have. He wanted to be known as the apostles, and so he says, let me give you some money. And Peter looks at him, and Peter is always very kind and gentle. He rebukes him, of course. He tells him, uh, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain this gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. I want to pay attention to verse 23. Verse 23 goes on to say, For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I first read this, I didn't really know what this meant. So I went to a different translation. And what I found in the Passion Translation is that what they say is this is, For I discern that jealous envy has poisoned you and binds you as a captive to sin. You see, the heart behind what Simon wanted was not for the kingdom. It was not for God. It was not for others. It was for himself out of a place of jealousy. Now, this is good to know for Simon. But for us, what I want us to see is these words, for I discern. What was taking place in this moment? He was operating in a gift of the Spirit. He had a word of knowledge where the Holy Spirit spoke something to him that he could not ever know on his own. Peter walks into this situation, he sees what's going on, and because he's sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing, the Holy Spirit is teaching him and training him in these moments. Once again, we could have the tools, but we need someone to show us how to use them. So Peter says, for I discern. In other words, the Holy Spirit is showing me this. I think it's beautiful for us to see words of knowledge and words of wisdom in the scripture because... Those same words of wisdom and knowledge are available to us as the children of God. He goes into this place, and he doesn't know Simon from anybody. But yet, when he is walking in partnership with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit says, this is what's going on. This is what you see on the outward, but what's going on in the inward place is that he's walking in this spirit of jealousy. And so Peter speaks these words to him, and it says that he then repents. And he says, pray for me that these things may not happen to me. Now, this is great because Simon, uh, from what I can tell, gets saved. It doesn't say specifically, but he repents. The community is being saved, and that's all awesome too. But the really cool thing that I want us to see as a church is not just that freedom is being brought, but also that there are others around that are seeing this. They're witnessing the power that Peter walks in. We have Philip still there on the scene. He's watching this take place. He's seeing the Holy Spirit in operation. And what do you think is going on inside of him when he's seeing the Holy Spirit in operation in Peter? I would go to say that he is actually being excited because he sees something else that is now possible in walking with the Holy Spirit. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit in every situation. 
And we also, as a church, as the body of Christ, need to be willing to walk and to allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us, to walk in these gifts of the Spirit so that others would be equipped and encouraged by what God is doing. I heard those amens. Thank you. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us, not just with the gifting, but then he teaches us how to use it. And when we operate in the gifts, that others are encouraged, that others are equipped, that others are able to walk in those same gifts and more. You see, when we look at these scriptures, I want us to know that these are not just stories that we're told in the book of Acts because we're meant to look back and say, look how cool it was for those who walked with Jesus. Sometimes I think we look at the works of the apostles, the work of of the disciples, the work of Jesus himself, and we say, well, of course Jesus did it. He was God. Of course the disciples did it. They walked with Jesus. Of course the early church did it. Maybe there was just some residue left over from when Jesus was there on earth. But me, I can never do those things. See, that's not even close to being biblical. The Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit that we receive through the power of what Jesus did on the cross, that Holy Spirit lives inside of us, which means that we have the ability to walk in the same gifts that we see in Scripture. And the reason that they are here is to encourage us to seek more, to go deeper, and to understand that this is available to us. We see this next story of Philip. He leaves Peter and he leaves this area and and, uh, it says the angel of the Lord in chapter 8 verses 26 through 29. He says to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court of the official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. I think this is such a cool story. And I have seen depictions of this cartoon versions where Philip is given supernatural speed and he's able to catch up to the chariot. I don't really know if the chariot was going all that fast. If you really had to like have like Usain Bolt speed to catch up to it. But the important thing is that Philip is here. We don't know what he's doing, but we do know that he's listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, go to this chariot, speak to this man. This man is reading the scripture and he's wondering, what is, the, what is being said here right now? I don't understand it. How can I know unless someone teaches me? Well, Philip shows up, gets in the chariot with him and starts to bring the revelation. You see, he's listening to the Holy Spirit. He's being trained by the Holy Spirit. He's given wisdom and revelation by the Holy Spirit. And he's influencing this man from another country with a lot of influence and a lot of connections. And God sets up this divine, uh, this divine encounter. But Philip is willing to listen and to go and do what he's called him to do. You see, we have to be aware in our daily lives of where God is leading us to do what he's called us to do in speaking to people, in talking to people, in witnessing to people. Sometimes we are so unwilling to share the gospel because we don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. We feel maybe like we have that unction of the Holy Spirit to go and talk to somebody and and we say, okay, I'll do it if you give me like three signs and, and you confirm it through a word of knowledge and through all these different things, then maybe I'll go and talk to them. Trust me, I've been there. 
Sometimes we're sitting on the airplane and the last thing we want to do is talk to the person next to us, but we feel the Holy Spirit leading us. This is why I allowed Jamie to sit next to me so that she can talk to the people because she likes talking to people a lot more than I do. But no, in all seriousness, what about those moments where God is wanting to use us to share his love with somebody else? Are we listening? Are we being led? Are we allowing him to highlight the person who's on the metaphorical chariot going past us to say, go and speak to that person? Even if we don't have anything to say yet. This is the scary part of it. I told you the Holy Spirit brings us into these situations and sometimes he gets us into trouble because he wants us to show up first and then he wants to give us what we need. Is that comfortable for anybody? No. But what if he has a word that he wants to give you that when you're talking to this person, a word of wisdom, a word of, a word of revelation, a word of knowledge, is when you're talking to somebody and you see the problem revealed to you. So you're given knowledge about the problem that someone's going through, right? It's important that we can recognize the problem so we can lead others to the solution. But we're not just called to see the problem because the Spirit also gives us words of wisdom, which is not just the problem, but then the answer to the problem. The word of wisdom gives us the answer to the problem that we can see through the word of knowledge. So what if in our interactions with others, the Holy Spirit wants to give us a divine piece of wisdom and information that we can never have on our own to be able to speak to somebody and to be able to give them something that can change their lives? I can tell you that there have been many times where I have given a word of knowledge and there have been times where it's been so cool. I've been able to name somebody's street address where they grew up. They heard it and they were like, oh my gosh, God is real. And he's speaking. And it's the coolest thing ever. And there have been other times where I've gone up and said, hey, does this, mean, this name mean anything to you? And they're like, nope. I never heard of that person in my life. I've never met them. It means nothing to me. I'm like, oh, okay. There are times where I've had a word of knowledge for healing in this room. And I know God is speaking. And nobody shows up. Nobody raises their hand. Nobody acknowledges it. But then after the service, they come up and they're like, hey, Pastor Sam, just so you know, that was me. Uh, that's exactly what I'm going through. I couldn't believe that you said that, so I didn't really know what to do. I'm like, next time, raise your hand. That'd be super helpful. <laughs> not, not for me, but for the faith of everybody in the room. So I'm just going to say this right now. If there's a word of knowledge, right, and it's you, hey, Holy Spirit, thanks for highlighting that. Not just because you want to highlight a problem, but because you want to bring me to the solution. Do you know that there are some times where if we're willing to talk to people and give them what we feel like God is saying, even if we're wrong, God can use it? This is the coolest thing because whose responsibility is it to bring people to know Jesus? It's his. It's the Holy Spirit at work within us. But he chooses to use us to be the conduits, to be the messenger, to be the vessel that he uses. But how do they get the message from heaven if the one who he's put here on earth and empowered and called isn't willing to go have the uncomfortable situation because while I'm here on earth, I don't want to be uncomfortable and I don't realize that what I'm doing here is actually speaking to eternity. I want to encourage you today that the Holy Spirit wants to not just lead us, not just guide us. He wants to teach us. He wants to show us how to use the tools that he's given us, but he requires us to be willing to go out and to do it. 
if we are willing to take the step of faith, who knows that God is going to meet us there? And yes, even in the places where it feels like we have fallen on our face, where everything was wrong, where, where what we had to say doesn't seem like it landed, can we trust that God is going to use it anyway? Can we trust that somebody is going to be so grateful that we took the time to share the love of Jesus with them, that even if it makes no sense, they think, wow, somebody cared enough to talk to me. What if we were willing and vulnerable and we said, hey, just out of curiosity, like, is there a situation going on over here? And they're like, no. And we're like, well, all right. But I just want to tell you that I feel like God is wanting to speak to you, that he loves you, that, that he wants to be with you, that if we're willing to do that, I know sometimes these things have gotten weird in the body of Christ. I get it. Oh, I've stepped out of the live stream for a long time. I'm sorry, everybody at home. I'll stay back here. I forgot the phone was there. We, in obedience to the Holy Spirit, are able to see him work even in ways that, like I said, we think that we got it wrong. And I know that, that sometimes it's been weird, but even in God, we have the discernment that we need to know when to speak and when not to speak. That he's the one that's going to give us the ability to know when we should share and when we shouldn't. This is what it means to be, to be called by the Holy Spirit and to know what he's doing. I don't like having wires. I feel like I have a, I feel like I have a leash on me today. All right. So this is, this is what I want to share with you. I, I, I want to encourage you when you go home today to read the story in Acts chapter 9. I know that football starts today. Dan, I don't know what time the Giants are on. You can do it later. I think we might have some Jets fans in here too. I'm not sure. Okay. We got two. <laughs> okay. We got a couple. We might, have to, we might have to talk about this next week. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. There's a story of Saul. The one who was terrorizing the church. He's the one who was, who was imprisoning the Christians, the believers. And Jesus shows up to him. He knocks him off his horse. He has an encounter. He sees who the real Lord is. And that's really cool. It's important to see that. But what I want you to see is the interaction with a man named Ananias. Because God shows up to Ananias and he says, listen, there's this guy. You may have heard of him, Saul. You know, the one that is killing and imprisoning Christians. I, uh, I went ahead and I showed him your face, and I told him that you were coming. I didn't ask your permission. I didn't make sure it was okay with you, but I've gone ahead and then I've done this. Do you know that Ananias didn't really, I mean, I guess he had a, a choice to make in this. I, I joked in the first service, I wouldn't have blamed Ananias if he went and found Saul and led him right off the cliff because of all that he had done. But Ananias was willing to be led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led him into this really difficult situation. But because of his obedience, look at what the Holy Spirit does. He takes this man, Saul, that is terrorizing the church, and he uses him, and he tells Ananias, this is going to be a vessel of mine. I'm going to show him what he must suffer for the sake of the gospel, but he's going to be one that is going to open up the gospel to places that have never been opened up to it before, that he's going to be a missionary of missionaries. That He didn't tell him this, but he's going to write most of the New Testament. Imagine if Ananias wasn't willing to step out in faith and do what God had called him to do. I would suggest to you today that before God showed up to Ananias, that he knew something about Ananias, that he knew that he was a man who could be trusted, a man that could be depended upon. I would guarantee you that this was not the first time that the Holy Spirit asked Ananias to do something, that he was willing to say yes in the moments that were easy and hard, the moments that made sense and the moments that absolutely did not. 
And this is what we are called to do as the body of Christ. We are called to be those who invite the Holy Spirit into every place of our lives, in every situation, but also to walk together in community, to walk together as a church, to walk together as the body of Christ, to encourage one another, that when we hear someone is sick, it's not just, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, that's too bad, but that we're willing to stand with one another, to pray with one another, to believe with one another, to raise the bar of expectation for what God can do in us and through us and in this church. We're not called to be a church that operates in in comfort and convenience. We are called to be a church that follows after the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you, there is so much excitement and joy in it. There's so so much fulfillment in being able to be used by God in such a powerful way. And this is what we're called to do in this time. I really do believe that as we continue to say yes to him, to invite him into these places, that in the same way when I was a kid, I was taught how to use some of these tools that God is using us. He's, he's speaking to us as our father, as the spirit who lives within us to teach us. And he's teaching us as a body to do this together in unity and in pursuit of him. 